So hello listeners, welcome back to NBA Games of the Week podcast. My name is Kalen Osmond, I'm an amateur podcaster and all-around NBA fan, and this is a podcast where every Monday morning of the NBA season, I will highlight for you, the listeners, the NBA games you should look out for that week. If you would like more information about the podcast or myself, go and check out episode zero for a fun little introduction about the show. Four quarters, as usual this week, starting with the first quarter, which are the games for the introductory NBA fan, where we are going to break down three games, featuring a potential finals matchup with the Bucks playing the Clippers and finishing off with the 76ers playing the Nuggets. Then on to the second quarter, which are the games for the more veteran NBA fan, where we're going to break down another two games, starting with the Blazers taking on the Nets and then moving down to a center matchup where the Nuggets are taking on the Timberwolves. Next up will be the third quarter, which are the games for the crazier NBA fans who want to see the games more focused on the individual players, where we're going to break down another two games. This starting off with the insane matchup of the Grizzlies battling the Magic, and then moving on to the battle of the Young Cores, where the Knicks are taking on the Mavericks. Then stick around for the fourth quarter to hear the two can't-miss games for this week of NBA action. We're now going to take a quick break, or we'll be back with the first quarter. So welcome back, listeners, to the first quarter of this week of NBA action, where we're going to start off with the Milwaukee Bucks playing at the Los Angeles Clippers on Wednesday, November 6th at 7 p.m. Pacific or 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, the reason I wanted to start off with this game is that we're getting a potential finals matchup very early on in the season. Both these teams look like the champions in their respective divisions, but with some respect to the Lakers and 76ers as also heavy contenders. But despite how good both these teams have looked so far, they do have pretty glaring weaknesses. We're going to start on the Buck side, where in the past few podcasts I've talked about how the Bucks have given up a lot of threes just as a result of their defensive scheme. Now, last year, they gave up the most amount of opponent three-point shooting in the league, but it didn't really hurt them that much as they were able to boast a top three defense. However, of late, it seems that teams have begun to capitalize on this three-point shooting where teams have been able to have comebacks in the second half. Uh, Specifically, we start with their first loss of the season being to the Miami Heat, where Milwaukee started off extremely strong with 33 and 37 point quarters for the first and second, respectively. And then Miami ended up turning it on specifically because of their late game three-point shooting, having them have a 29 third quarter and then a 39 fourth quarter, eventually leading to overtime where Miami would win. Now the three big factors in this, first being Miami's hot three-point shooting going down the stretch was able to close the gap on the Bucks team who actually did not shoot it that well in the second half. The second and arguably more important factor is that Justice Winslow absolutely shut down Giannis in the second half. Giannis ended up fouling out of this game specifically because of how well Justice Winslow was guarding him. And just to show the impact, Justice Winslow ended up being a game high, plus 16 in the game, providing immediate impact for how strong he was against Giannis. And then the third factor going into this is how well Goran Dragic played coming off the bench. Now, if you recall in our last podcast, I talked about how the Milwaukee Bucks are definitely hurting from losing Brogdon in this offseason. Specifically, it, it doesn't seem like they're missing his scoring as much as they're missing his defense, where whenever Milwaukee's played against these strong point guard-driven teams, they seem to not be able to guard them properly and have ended up losing. So in this, Goran Dragic ended up scoring a team-high 25 points, driving George Hill to be a negative 18 on the game, It was one of the biggest factors in them actually eventually losing. And if we move to an even more egregious example, 
their loss to the Boston Celtics. Because you can make the argument that them losing against the Heat could be because Giannis ended up fouling out of the game. Definitely makes sense. Giannis is the entire engine for the offense and defense of that team. But on the Boston Celtics front, Giannis played the entire game, a full 35 minutes. He ended up scoring 22 points, 14 rebounds overall, had a, like a very impressive game. But someone who had a more impressive game, Kemba Walker. He ended up scoring a game-high 32 points and was plus 8 on the game. And actually ended up having 6 rebounds, which is incredible for someone his size. But you just see again that without Brogdon there as a go-to defensive option on these guard lineups... Eric Bledsoe and George Hill are not able to pick up the slack, and they end up being huge factors in these Bucks losses. Which then, for all this, brings me back to the Clippers. Well, the Clippers are almost specifically suited to take advantage of this deficiency on the Bucks' defense, where the best scorer, arguably, on the entire team is Lou Williams, the backup point guard who ends up playing starters' minutes and who's a nightmare to guard for most teams. Nevertheless, a team that has struggled early on very clearly against strong point guards but i'll stop for a sec on the bucks and move over to the clippers side where their big deficiency so far has been their inconsistency on the defensive end now i'm gonna put off to the side that paul george being out is definitely a huge factor the man isn't a defensive player of the year candidate year over year so having him is definitely going to bolster their defense but he's not there for this game so we're going to keep him out of the equation and explain that the clippers have been giving up a lot of points to a lot of teams and against the Bucks, who are an extremely tall team with the Lopez brothers, Giannis himself, George Hill's tall, Eric Bledsoe's pretty tall for his position, all these guys together could definitely overpower the Clippers, who by themselves are actually not that large. Their largest player being Zubac as their starting center, who from what I've seen has not been that strong a defender. He's a very mobile guy, so on the offensive end can definitely slip through the slower Lopez brothers. But as far as defense goes, he could definitely get overpowered. So then it kind of goes back to the Lou Williams argument where he's going to play a lot of his minutes with Demontre's Harrell. And their pick and roll, I initially thought, could definitely get shut down because of the length and size of the Bucks. But then the quickness and craft stem from the chemistry and talent from the Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams pick and roll. Beyond that, having the unstoppable mid-range game of Kawhi, this game might end up actually being a shootout. Because as strong as the Bucks' defense is, I think it's very ill-suited for how strong the Clippers are going to be. If they give up a lot of three-point shots, the Clippers are going to knock them down. And the Clippers are going to get a lot of open three-point shots. And beyond that, I don't know how strong a front court of Brooke and Robin Lopez is going to be against the quicker and craftier Demontres Harrell Lou Williams. So basically, it might come down to how well is Kawhi Leonard going to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo to control the entire Bucks offense. And then on the other side, can the Bucks score enough to actually keep up with how strong the Clippers are going to be on offense? I can't imagine the Bucks are going to be the first team to shut down the Clippers specifically because of their point guard defensive deficiencies. So obviously, this is the first matchup against both of these teams, and I'm super excited to see how it works out. Because I definitely wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing Kawhi Leonard against Giannis Anacumbo in clutch Game 7 this coming June. So once again, this game goes down on Wednesday, November 6th at 7 p.m. Pacific or 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
All right, so moving on to the second game of this quarter, which is the Philadelphia 76ers visiting the Denver Nuggets on Friday, November 8th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, the big reason I chose this game is the matchup between Embiid and Jokic. Both these players are extreme talents with not only all-star aspirations this year, but maybe even championship aspirations for both. If we start on the Embiid side, for those who you don't know, Embiid is a post player whose main goal is to overpower his opponents in the post with his size and strength. Beyond this, he also has the talent to create off the dribble, which is extremely unique for someone in his position. This is what sets him apart from players like Andre Drummond, where Andre Drummond is an extremely good finisher. When it comes to putting the ball on the floor, he's basically an amateur. Embiid, on the other hand, is able to start at the top of the three-point line, drive through, cross up his opponents, and finish at the hoop. Beyond that, he also has step-back jumpers and a complete offensive game. But where he actually makes his money is on the defensive end. This man has defensive player of the year talent every single season. And this one is no different. This might actually be one of the best defensive seasons I've ever seen from him. And we're only like four or five games in. Jokic, on the other hand, is maybe the best passing big man of all time. At least in the top five. Not even arguably. Just cemented. And he himself is also amazing at creating his own offense. He can dribble, pass, shoot. And with his jump shot looking a little more fluid and natural than Embiid's. And then he matches Embiid on the offensive side with being able to score at will. And actually, he's a much more complete offensive player than Embiid is. Where Embiid's looked like he's learned a lot of these uh, offensive skills in the last few seasons before coming to the NBA. Jokic actually a much stronger offensive talent just through his passing out of the post, drawing so much attention to his other players, and then taking advantage from his extremely accurate jump shooting to completely outclass his opponents in the post. When it comes to the defensive end, Jokic may be one of the worst centers in the league. He's not a very strong or sturdy post defender. He does get the occasional block or two, but it's definitely not one of his main talents. But you live with that because of his offense is so strong. He's basically a good offense all on his own. So watching these two players play against each other is on its own with just that baseline of what kind of players they are so interesting. If we even move past that, what makes this matchup even more unique is that both of these players are their team's go-to scores in the clutch. Meaning if this game comes down to the last two minutes and either team needs to create offense, they're going to pass it to the tallest men on the court, and they're going to battle it out for who eventually is going to win this game. This may be one of the first matchups that I've seen the two clutch players being at the center position for teams of this magnitude of talent and season outlook. So if we move beyond these two players and go to the entire teams and how they match up together, the first thing is on the offensive side, where the 76ers are actually an extremely fast team, while the Nuggets are super slow. The Nuggets being such a slow team is definitely stems from the fact that they truly believe in their half-court offense and their ability to execute their offensive plays at the highest level. Beyond that, Jokic might be the worst fast-break player in the league from just how slow and awkward he is running up down the court. That doesn't stop him from throwing half-court passes and creating offense on the break, but it's definitely more like a Kevin Love style where he throws these full-court passes that are precise to get these layups instead of him running down and capitalizing on the open threes. 
On the other side, though, Ben Simmons is almost the perfect player to create a fast break offense, which explains a lot why the 76ers play at such an insane pace. So his ball handling in combination with his court vision, his size, make him a menace on the fast break, where if he gets down court and there's an open three, he's getting them that ball. Beyond that, if the defense spreads out to the wings and he has a one-on-one matchup underneath the hoop, he's finishing that dunk off 100 out of 100 times. And this, just like we talked about in other podcasts, is Philly's best season for scoring these three-point shots. Besides them losing J.J. Redick, but their starting lineup members of Al Horford, Tobias Harris, and Josh Richardson all being ready on the wing and relatively fast players to always get down court, they're always ready to catch the ball in any opportune situation and finishing the play. So really here, it comes down to questions on the Denver Nuggets side, where we look at their offense and is it good enough to execute against Philadelphia's defense, which is basically number one in the league and terrifying to go against. Because with them playing such a slow style, they're going to give Philadelphia a chance to set their defense in the half court on every possession. And then if we switch to the side of their own defense, is their defense strong enough to stop Philly's offense, which has been rolling so far this season? These are the big questions here. If I think what's going to happen is this will become more of a shootout kind of game where Denver is going to move more into a fast break style to get these possibilities and easy buckets while having to play a more conservative offense so that they will be able to rush back on the defensive end and cover Philadelphia's shooters. So if you're like me and you're curious about the matchup and the teams involved, or if you just love seeing the two most unique players in the entire league match up one-on-one, then this is going to be the game for you. And it's going on down on Friday night. Just a reminder, on November 8th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I hope you come there with me. And with that... We'll take a quick break where we'll be back with the second quarter of NBA Games of the Week. So welcome back, listeners, to the second quarter of this week of NBA action. We're going to start off in Brooklyn, where the Portland Trailblazers are playing the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, November 8th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, this game is also pretty matchup specific, just like our last one, with the focus on the duel between Kyrie Irving and Damian Lillard. Or in other words, a street baller who creates magic offensively against Logo Lillard. Now, neither Kyrie nor Portland as a team have actually had a great start to their season. Portland has beaten mostly bad teams thus far with one pretty impressive win over Dallas. And on the other side, the Nets have really only one impressive win over the Rockets, but besides that, have not been that effective. But when these teams are on, they're definitely on. Their defensive creation at the guard position is unmatched around the league. And hey, at the end of the day, both these teams are relatively at the same level thus far this season. And if you got a chance to watch Kyrie Irving try to cross up Damian Lillard at any point this season, you definitely have to take it. And even if you move past the starting point guards to the bench, you'll see Spencer Dimwitty is going to go against C.J. McCollum. And I know C.J. McCollum is a starter, but he plays so many minutes against bench units because him and Damian stagger their minutes. Now we can move on to Karis LeVert, who actually has a huge advantage in this game because of Portland's lack of wing defenders. Having Rodney Hood or Kent Bazemore try to guard Karis LeVert is not a good idea because he definitely has the talent and size to beat both of them. 
And we've seen even this season how whenever Karis LeVert has an advantage in a game, he's able to capitalize, scoring 27 against Memphis and 25 against Houston, being giant factors in how both those games were kept relatively close. So beyond the matchup at the top of the quarter, I'm trying to highlight this game to see which one of these teams are able to bounce out of their funk and actually start rolling into the teams that we thought they'd be. Because even though I think both these teams' defenses are kind of at the level they're going to be, which is average to below average, I think their offenses have definitely more talent than they've shown thus far. So if you're curious like me, or you just love the matchup that I described here, we'll come on down on Friday, November 8th at 6 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to catch this game. And now we're moving on to game number two, which is the Denver Nuggets playing the Minnesota Timberwolves Sunday, November 10th at 1230 Pacific or 330 Eastern Standard Time. Now, as you could tell, I'm a pretty big sucker for a good center matchup in a game, especially early on before defenses have been able to fully actualize their scouting reports and defensive schemes against the top players. Now, what I'm talking about is Nikola Jokic is going to be playing against Carl Anthony Towns. Now, because I talked about Jokic at length in the previous quarter, I'm going to focus on Towns here. And the first thing I got to say is Carl Anthony Towns at his best, like at his full potential, is actually a combination of both Embiid and Jokic. Where Towns is an amazing shooter, he's stupid fast when he wants to, and he's a pure creator on the offensive end. And he's actually just started to become pretty acceptable on the defensive end, which has been his biggest flaw so far. And he's going to have to be on the top of his game defensively. He's going to match up with Jokic in this game. Because Jokic, for anybody, even the best defensive players in the league, is a nightmare to guard. But if we move past that matchup and just look at the Wolves as a whole, they've actually been kind of rolling so far this season. And that's kind of why I wanted to give him a chance to highlight this game. Now, their schedule's actually been relatively easy, so this is kind of their first real test. And I don't actually count the 76ers game as a test because of the ejections of both Towns and Embiid. And if you haven't watched the fight that broke out between Towns and Embiid, highly recommend it. It's pretty funny. And then if we look why the Wolves have been rolling, it actually hasn't really been their offense. They've had pretty lucky clutch shooting from Andrew Wiggins, which shouldn't be trusted as sustainable going forward. But it's kind of been their defense which has been sneaky good this season. So actually beyond the center matchup that I described, I kind of want to know how real that really is. Because if they're going to match up against the Nuggets, who are a good test for how good defenses are, one, because the Nuggets are very strong offensively, but also because they don't kind of like cheat in terms of sprinting down the court to getting open shots, like how OKC has done in the last few seasons to cover up for bad shooting. The Nuggets have straight up matchup one-on-one because they play a pretty slow and solid half-court game. So again, if you're like me and you love those center matchups, or you want to see how real the Timberwolves are, or you just want to see high quality of basketball that this game is going to produce, come on down on Sunday, November 10th at 12.30 Pacific or 3.30 Eastern to your television to watch this game, because I definitely will. And now for another quick break, well, we'll be back with the third quarter. Welcome back, listeners, to the third quarter of this podcast, where we're going to start with game number one, being the Memphis Grizzlies at the Orlando Magic on Friday, November 8th at 4 p.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, this might be one of the worst quality games I'm ever going to recommend to you guys this season. The Grizzlies are specifically going to be a bad team this season. They're definitely going for getting a top pick again this coming draft. 
keeping the rebuild going, and hopefully, by their own omission, being one of the worst teams in the league. And on the Orlando side, even though they have been a playoff team in the past, most recently last season, and their style of game is definitely not the most aesthetically pleasing. They're a grinded out team. They're they're almost like the grit and grind Grizzlies from back in the day, ironically, except for that they don't have the star talent to bolster their pretty solid defense. But nonetheless, I'm still recommending you this game, and it's because I've been neglecting the Grizzlies so far this season, and I actually do want to see how they're doing. John Morant's awesome. I really want to see how John Morant's doing, and also want to see how Jaron Jackson is doing. Both these players are young. They have very high upside potential with John Morant having superstar potential, and I, I want to see the beginning parts of a Grizzlies team that could be one of the best young teams moving forward. And the Magic side of the court, I really want to see how Markel Fultz is doing. I was huge, as most people were, on him coming out of college. His athleticism combined with his three-point shooting was apparently too good to be true, but the record's not set with him. Where you see players like Derrick Rhodes who have fallen from being the youngest MVP ever to rock bottom to coming back and getting MVP chance when he goes to Chicago. And I want to see if this could happen for Markel Fultz as well. Then maybe it's just the limelight that's been shutting him down. Because I've seen some highlights that show his athleticism and it's really nice to see. But then when you see his shooting, it's still kind of a mystery. Where like it's specifically going in for his elbow jumpers. But when you see him shooting a three, he still doesn't want to do it. He's, he's hesitating most of the time. And he's even passed the ball off on open threes so having him on a team where no one's really going to focus on him that much in terms of media attention and them going against the Grizzlies who by all the missions are going to be a bad team this season you could see his progress going forward in one of these one of these games where the flow of basketball and the actual result of the game aren't all that important so overall as I keep hammering home it's probably one of the most least watchable games this NBA season but we got to watch it for the young players this is the kind of game that you're gonna have to suffer through if you really want to know what's going on around the league So if you want to see these players for yourself and not just base their progress on the Twitter highlights that you're going to see, come on down. On Friday, November 8th at 4 p.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, cancel your Friday plans because I definitely will. So moving on to game number two, our final game of this third quarter. Another Friday night game where after you watch the great game of Grizzlies and Magic, just flip on over to the New York Knicks playing at the Dallas Mavericks on Friday, November 8th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Now this game is definitely centered around one player and that player is RJ Barrett because he's actually been pretty great so far this season. I wasn't super high at him coming out of the draft, coming out of Duke because I thought he was set up pretty well to succeed there. I didn't see the long-term value in his skill set. Basically being a third overall pick, I didn't see superstar level. I'm not saying he would have been a bad player by any means and I'm definitely being proven wrong from how well he's been doing so far. And because he's been playing so well, in games that really have had no consequence, I want to know how he plays against another young core, specifically matched up against Doncic. And I, when I say matchup, I don't really mean one-on-one, because I don't imagine they're going to be guarding each other. But it's more on performance-by-performance basis, where Doncic, this is his second year in the league, and he came in firing. And I don't expect RJ to match his performance one-to-one. But I am looking for him to perform and see that competitive edge when Doncic goes off uh, for 20 or 30 points, will RJ be able to match? And even beyond that, the Knicks have not been that bad this season, but they should probably get outclassed by the Mavericks. But it should still be pretty competitive, even for just three quarters. And on the Knicks, they also have other players to watch, like 
Kevin Knox? Will, will he have a bounce back season where last year, despite all the media attention he was getting, he wasn't that productive of a player, but, but hardly any rookies are productive players. And I think he has a really good chance to shine this season. Next is Frank Nielakino, who had a great World Cup for France. He hasn't really been given a shot coming back. I, I think he's misclassed as a point guard for the team. But he should definitely be getting some strong minutes, especially for a team that really has no expectations this season. Uh, for Peyton Rollins, another new team who has actually seemingly won the point guard competition might line up with him getting a haircut. Who knows? And then also Dennis Smith Jr. But as of now, he may not actually play uh, as he's missed multiple games this season. But if he is able to play it could be a big showing for him again and maybe this point guard competition could be opened back up where dennis smith who i'm still kind of high on which is kind of ridiculous because he really hasn't shown that much in terms of efficient point guard play or even the ability to kind of be a starting point guard on a good team so there's a lot of questions most of them being on the Knicks side because the mavericks they should just roll in and roll out of this game but because they're kind of a young team with the potential to kind of lapse in a game and kind of give in to playing at the level of their opponent instead of the level of their actual talent this could be an extremely competitive game and even if it's not there's enough player intrigue here that it's still going to be entertaining and worthwhile to watch so if you're still with me on this Friday night, come on down on Friday, November 8th at 5.30 Pacific or 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Welcome back, listeners, to the final quarter for this week. Thanks for sticking through the first three quarters of this podcast. And we're going to go into the two can't-miss games for the third week of NBA action. First one is going to come as no surprise, being the Milwaukee Bucks playing the Los Angeles Clippers on Wednesday, November 6th at 7 p.m. Pacific or 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because this one is a potential finals matchup. And it's early on this season where we get to see these teams rob before they've basically actualized their full rotation. Beyond that, as I described in the first quarter, go back if you want to listen to the full description. Both these teams are kind of specifically organized to capitalize on the other's weaknesses. So this might be the best game of this week, just on talent and playoff implications alone. So you definitely don't want to miss this going down again, November 6th, 7 p.m. Pacific or 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Second game that you do not want to miss this week is the Denver Nuggets playing the Minnesota Timberwolves on Sunday, November 10th at 12.30 Pacific or 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. Basically, every other game was on Friday night, so it's crazy that I picked the only two that aren't going down on Friday. Now, I picked one of the center matchups. You know I couldn't not. So it's Jokic playing against Towns, and I picked this one because I think the 76ers game with Jokic against Embiid is going to have not as good an offense as this one is going to produce. It's going to be a lot more aesthetically pleasing to watch. Plus, if it goes down to the wire, you're going to see clutch shooting from both these centers and then even Jamal Murray, and then maybe even Andrew Wiggins, which in itself is a reason to watch a game. So again, if you want to watch it, it's going down on Sunday, November 10th, at 12.30 Pacific or 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. So that's it for this week, listeners. I'm going to catch you next week to recap the third week of NBA action and to preview the next seven days of the NBA 2019-20 season. This has been NBA Games of the Week. You can find us on YouTube at NBA Games of the Week or on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud at the same name, NBA Games of the Week. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at NBA GOTW to stay up to date with the podcast and never miss an episode. And don't worry if you forget any of those. Links to all these places will be in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you all next Monday.